So I've been asking myself the last few weeks, what might God want me to say, um, to share on his behalf with you today? And uh, I've been praying about this for weeks because I've known about it for weeks and not really had anything for a while. So I was thinking, I hope you can remember that I've got a date in the diary, Lord. Um, and I, I want to say something. And I have two words that came to me. Um, God speaks to us all in different ways. And the two words um, are get up. So I did a bit of investigation. I feel it's on two levels that I want to speak to you about get up. One, to you as a body, as a, as a, as a people. Um, for parents, this isn't a talk on how to uh, wake your teenagers, if that's what you're expecting from that get up. Sorry, that's maybe for another time. Um, but it's about the gospel and about the church. It's about the church and it's about the gospel. And I was looking at um, something that the gospel, um, the gospel Coalition, if you ever read stuff that they do, they talk about three things with the gospel. They talk about the gospel being for maturity. So it says in Colossians 2, so then, so then you, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. That's part of the maturity. They talk about the gospel being for maturity. They talk about the gospel being for Monday, not just for now, not just for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is on a Sunday morning, a Sunday evening, or even a small group. It's for when we all wake up tomorrow and the ordinary, ordinary life, the day-to-day -day life, whatever you do during the week, that's what they mean by the Gospels for Monday. It's about where we live our lives. It's about the people we interact with. And the Gospel, they also talk about the third thing is for ministry. And I just want to read something from an article they've written on this because I could try and paraphrase it, but why not just say what they said? They said, if all this is true, in other words, these three M's that they um, literate, if, if all this is true, then the Gospel is also for ministry. Our churches can easily get enamored with other values, such as dynamic teaching, engaging worship, and so on. But when we focus on what could go well in the church, we lose sight of what must go deep in the church. Paul reminded the Colossians of what ought to be present in their own ministry to one another. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God from Colossians 3. The gospel message should pulsate throughout through the community. It must overflow from the worship, the teaching, the admonition and the praises. Every area of personal ministry is to be grounded in the good news of the bloody cross and the empty tomb. The average member, that's you and I, therefore, is to ensure gospel saturation in the local body. That is what is ministry after all. One believer offering up all they have in Christ to another hungry soul. And all of it is done with gratitude in our hearts to God. How could it be otherwise? What I really love is that phrase let me just find it um this but when we focus on what could go well in the church we lose sight of what must be deep in the church i might have said go deep i love that because we get fixated on, on good things things that are well don't we things that we personally like in the church but what is it that goes deep and i would suggest it's the gospel of jesus christ that goes the deepest in the church or should be the truth of god so some questions I've just been pondering, and maybe you've been pondering similar questions, that what is the posture and position of the local church right now today in June 2021? How are we really doing as, as local churches? Where are we at? <laughs> What's going on? How are, we, how, are we, how are we doing in response to strong cultural overtones in this world, strong messages? Bruce mentioned some of the things going on around the world that 
that, that provides the context in which God's placed us and birthed us to. Some things are quite challenging. Scripture is getting questioned, not just by Christians, but by non-Christians. It feels like in certain contexts, the Bible is seen as a, as a book of hate for some people. How do we handle that? How do we deal with that? How do we handle that outside the church as well as inside the church? And I just heard this sound, as I say, this last few weeks as I was praying, of get up. And I just feel it's a call and it's an encouragement for God to stand for him once again. You might find yourself here this morning just a bit wearied with all of the stuff we were going through and are still going through. You might be wearied of, of, of Zoom church and some of the limitations that it provides not being not being together. You might be wearied by sick sick people that you know that are connected to your family just the cultural messages of this world and the hatred that we see on our own doorstep and we see right on the other side of of the world but i believe the call of god to us is get up church stand up church stand strong church arise church be mobilized church and maybe in a different way than we've ever been before who knows whatever normality uh, looks like and whenever normality resumes what that is going to be in comparison is it going to be normal is it going to be completely abnormal i have a feeling things are going to be quite new and different for us and the way that the church interacts in its town and its community and worships together and functions i believe could be different not got time to unpack what that might be but one thing i do know one thing i do know is that the call of the gospel of jesus christ on the church is still imperative to us it's still central it's still key it's still strong. It's still really important. The good news of Jesus Christ, of what he's called you and I into, how he's changed your life, how he's changed my life, is still the key message, the key hope that keeps us alive, that keeps us going, that's given us life, that we can take to other people. Maybe the church, maybe all of us, we need to shed some of the things that we've held on to. Maybe some of the things that have been really precious to us maybe no longer necessary, may long, no longer carry us through. Maybe, I don't know, Maybe it's a time for both new wine and new wineskins for God's church in different contexts and different places. But I know one thing, to use that phrase of the baby in the bathwater, we don't want to throw the gospel out, do we, with any, any new ways or new approaches. So I want to ask you a personal question. And by asking you personally and asking you all, I'm asking you this question as a church. What's packed in your kit bag? What are you carrying forward? As you get up, what have you got it that's in your own kit bag? What are you holding on to? What's going to take you on this next season and stage of the journey? Is there some stuff that needs to that needs to come out? I frequently watch Lucy, and depending on where we're going and which bag is right, whether that's a rucksack for a family trip or a small handbag or a bigger handbag for work, constantly see, not constantly, quite often see Lucy change the contents of her bag ready for the right journey we went walking in the lakes last uh, weekend so she packed a bag for that and she's brilliant at packing a bag yeah, packing a bag is lucy um because she remembers great things that something happens and somebody says i don't suppose you've got and she says oh yeah i've got one in one in the bag what's in your kit bag she's also really good and gifted in the area of not taking things that are not needed what we take forward today for this next season as individuals and as the church together is really, really important. God might be asking us to surrender some things as we go forward. So this sound I've heard of get up. Part of this get up is get up and get with the gospel, I think. Stand with the gospel. 
remember the gospel. And if we make the gospel central and keep it central to the life of the church, I was just thinking about the things that would help us to do that. And that's repetition. We should never tire or be, uh, be out of the gospel stories. I don't know about you, about you, but every time I read the stories of Jesus and look at the stories of Jesus, maybe there's certain aspects that you forget or you just look at his great compassion on people or just how he was interrupted but still had time. And it is just such good news. And I need to keep reading the gospel back to myself on a regular basis. I need to preach the gospel repeatedly to myself. And I'm not just talking about the story of salvation. Make sure you're saved. Make sure you know where you're going. It's much bigger than that, the gospel, isn't it? It's much wider than that. It's much deeper than that. It's good news for the whole of our life. It's good news for the community. It's good news for a lost world. So I need to repeat it. You need to repeat it. We need to repeat it. I need to remember it. We need to remember it. We need to confess it as well. As well as reading it, we need to own it, believe it, have it and confess it. We need to speak it. We need to bring the gospel to all the different contexts, neighbourhoods, workplace, schools, church settings, wherever it is. We need to speak the gospel. We need to believe it as well, don't we? We don't just need to know it. We don't just need to read it. We, don't just need, to... we need to believe the gospel. The good news, some of the radical stuff that Jesus did that might feel here and now a little distant for us. We need to believe and think, Jesus, you can do it again. Jesus, the blind will see again. The lame will walk again. The dead will rise. <laughs> the dead will come alive. We will see miracles of greater proportions, he promised us. And here's, we need to share it as well, not just in our words, but in our lifestyle. We need to share the gospel with who we are and what we have with other people. The very way we live our lives should speak the gospel, paint a picture of the gospel, and we need to keep declaring it. I was mindful of those words that Jesus spoke in the book of Acts, Acts 26, when he said to Paul in his call, and he told Paul to get up, didn't he? That was quite a dramatic conversion. Right at the start of his life, to the apostle Paul is this get-up calling that's on his life. Our conversion might not be as, as radical as the apostle Paul, but the gospel is still as effective in your life. God's purpose is still as effective in your life. And the get up stands. He said, then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. And I just feel MCC, that was what the Lord wants to say to you. Get up and stand on your feet. He's appeared to you to appoint you as a servant, a witness of what you've seen and what you will see of Jesus. He wants to build on your great history as a church. Now, I just want to check my time because I don't want to I don't want to overrun the allocated time that I've been given. I want to flip it a little bit now. That's a get up I heard for you as a church. But I leave, believe there's a get up for you to address outside of the church. There's a, there's, there's a get up call. And get up um, call to action, you might say. For us, for those outside church, there's many occasions in scripture in the New Testament where Jesus used these words, get up. There's a story in the synoptic gospels of the, uh, uh, the paralytic man. There's two that talk about him coming, his friends bringing him from a roof. There's, and there's the one in Matthew where, where Jesus just meets with him. And in Matthew 9 it says this, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home we see in mark and in luke um, when the friends bring him through the roof 
and Jesus sees the faith of the friends. In Mark, he says, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And in Luke, he says, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. The same words. And I think there's lots of people in this room. We've heard these stories <laughs> since being very, very young. I've heard these stories from, from Sunday school days and they are still true. We can get a little gimmicky because they're quite, um, art quite articulate, these stories, aren't there? And they're quite graphic. You can picture them and the video that Steph showed before, loads of videos and cartoons, you know, people making a, a mess in the roof to get through. I don't know if any of you have watched the free-to-watch American TV series called The Chosen. They've just launched series three. Absolutely brilliant. The encounter of this is brilliant because you can literally hear the bricks dropping and stuff crumbling as the friends bring in and the gaze of the people and the people outside who are questioning Jesus and the ones that are just mesmerized by him. There's a story in John that we'll, I guess we're all very familiar with, with the man at the pool of Bethsaida, where it says in John 5, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. Another example where God, where God through his son Jesus is addressing somebody to say, get up, get up from where you are. Story of Jairus's daughter in that encounter where there's so much going on with Jesus, there's like three miracles all crowding in at once. It's, you can almost hear the noise in the gospel, see the people where he takes, takes Jairus's daughter by the hand. I love that. Let me just stop. He took her by the hand. I just think there's something of the commission of Jesus there. And he said to a little girl, I say to you, get up. Little girl, I say to you, get up. There is a compassion in a call to get up. There is healing and wholeness and forgiving and get up. Or in Luke, it says this, but he took her by the hand and said, my child, my child, get up, said Jesus. The final gospel story I want to just drop in. So this has been like a buffet of scriptures rather than just examining and probing one verse. And I don't apologize for that. Um, Mark 10, the story of blind Bartimaeus, which again, I'm, I'm assuming most of us are familiar with it, side of the outside of the road. It says this in Mark 10. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. Aren't you thankful for the time where Jesus stopped for you? Stopped for this church, stopped for friends, stopped for other people. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, <laughs> on your feet. <laughs> He's calling you, throwing his cloak aside. I love that. Throwing his beggar's cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I love this story so much. Again, I've heard it since I was quite a young child, I think, really. Um, I love the fact that such was the impact of Jesus stopping for Bartimaeus. <laughs> Don't know what this does with your, with your theology or to your theology, but he instantaneously became a disciple. The cloak's off, he's on his feet, He's away from begging. He's following Jesus. Absolutely incredible. And we're a people saved by the gospel, carrying that same gospel power, carrying that same resurrection spirit in us with the ability to say, get up to so many things, to so many people, to so many situations. And I believe that's the call. I believe that's what God's asking of us is to be a get up people, people that have got up ourselves, 
but a people that get other people up, that get them off the feet, that get the cloak up. And these get-up calls of Jesus are transformational. It was for Paul. You know, the get-up from begging, the get-up from basically dying for some people, from being paralyzed and restricted, from being blind. It's not just a change in the life of circumstances. This is just a complete, absolute, incredible turnaround in people's lives. This isn't Jesus just making a few bits of life improvement. This is just turning things completely around. A lot of these stories I love are about spiritual and physical wholeness. It got Jesus into trouble, didn't it? They were saying, I didn't have time to go to this, but basically, who are you to start forgiving sins? Where Jesus said, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? He actually did both. The get up is loaded with life and with hope. And it changes the whole posture of people. That call of Jesus, you know that from death to life from being blind to seeing, from being hopeless to full of hope. It changes the posture of people, such is the power of, of the gospel. And I just want to finish with a few thoughts. I was struck by this, the proximity, if you like, or the position, the places where these get-ups happened. Side of a lake, someone's home. You know, guys bringing the friends down, Jairus's house. Side of a pool, the side of a road. I don't mean this to be uh, intentionally controversial or provocative, or maybe I do. None of these happened at a church healing meeting. Now, there were, there were obviously instances where Jesus healed in the temple. The man with the withered hand, I think, would be an example. There, there were examples of this. But these happen in Jesus's day-to-day -day ordinary life, in his, going, in, his, in his A to B, if you like, in his ministry, outside of, outside of the temple. And I just want you to go away and think about that, that sometimes our fixation is, is maybe to get people in the church to get healed. But I want to say that these get-ups happened side of a lake, somebody's house, on the streets, on the roads, in the community, in the locality. I mentioned before that the gospel is for Monday. Miracles don't just happen on a Sunday. Sabbath miracles got Jesus into trouble. The miracles are here for every day of the week. So the gospel is for Monday. That's what the Gospel Coalition mean by that. And we want to call people up and call them into Jesus. So I want to finish by reading the first few verses of Romans 12, which, again, I assume we're all familiar with. But I want to read it from the message because I think it brings something in the message, in the words in the, on this occasion that bring it to life. It says this, Romans 12, 1 to 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking instead fix your attention on God you'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity God brings the best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you it's been my pleasure to share with you this morning, Church.